conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show. Conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. It's almost a month since Russia invaded Ukraine, and there seems to be no end in sight for this bloody conflict that's seen thousands of dead and wounded on both sides. At least it appears that way to me. The current estimates seem to be a little below that, but at least as far as civilians, but I don't believe it. In fact, it's also stated in these estimates that they probably are very low. It's hard to get a clear picture of what's happening, both on the battlefields of Ukraine and with diplomatic efforts to end the war. But from what I can glean from the various news sources I perused, it appears that at this time that uh, Russia's, or should I say Russian leader Vladimir Putin's military offensive in Ukraine is stalled. At the same time, the situation for Ukrainian military forces benefiting from large-scale military and humanitarian aid from Western and other nations around the world appears to be improving, and the Ukrainian military have been stepping up counterattacks. I was surprised to see U.S. billionaire Elon Musk declare that he would stop stop Russia. Uh, But recent news reports have stated, related that with the aid of Musk's Starlink satellite system and Western and Turkish military drones, Ukraine has been able to inflict heavy losses on Russian forces in Ukraine. The U.K.'s Daily Mail carried the March 19 headlines, Elon Musk's satellites help Zelensky dominate the skies. U.S. billionaire's internet system is allowing Ukrainian drones to pound Putin's helpless tanks. However, Russia has been responding by using hypersonic missiles, which fly at many times the speed of sound, like 10 times, that's what I read, and cannot be stopped by current conventional defensive weapon systems. And these missiles have been striking targets inside Ukraine. At least one was announced, and I, the indication was that there were more being launched. Uh, and these can further inflict heavy damage on the country's military and civilian infrastructure. Also, just days ago, Vladimir Putin hosted a Trump-style <laughs> pro-Russia rally at a stadium in Moscow where an estimated more than 100,000 people attended in and around the stadium. But the Daily Mail uh, claimed, quote, the event was surrounded by suspicions it was a Kremlin-manufactured display of patriotism, close quote. At the rally, I thought I watched a video of Putin again stating that Russia had invaded Ukraine to, among other things, denazify Ukraine, which seems odd since I understand that Ukrainian leader Volodymyr Zelensky is Jewish, who has ancestors who perished in the Holocaust during World War II. One commentator on the internet stated that while it's true there is a neo-Nazi political and militia force in Ukraine, this group garnered less than 2% of the vote in a recent Ukrainian election and is not a significant part of Ukraine's political landscape. Here's some audio from political commentator and pollster Dick Morris from his Lunch Alert program March 17th on his website, dickmorris.com. Play sound by one, please. Ukraine is winning. Over the last few days, the Russian military has been stalemated and literally bogged down in the mud outside of Kiev. It's the rainy season now in Ukraine, 
and the road to soggy and soaked and tanks can't move. And morale has plummeted in the Russian army units. The New York Times reports that there are 7,000 Russian dead so far and 15 to 25,000 wounded. To put that into perspective, the Times notes that in 39 days of fighting at Iwo Jima, the U.S. lost 7,000 Marines. And in 20 days of fighting in Ukraine, Russia has lost 7,000 as well. Military experts quoted in the Times as saying that when a unit loses 10% of its fighting force, it's crippled and incapable of significant defensive actions. Russia has 200,000 troops in Ukraine and is now sustaining casualty rates of about 15%. And just as their land defensive is bogging down, they're losing their air superiority. The U.S. has shipped 300 uh, surface-to-air missiles from the S-300 weapon system that are quite effective against aircraft, and uh, the MiGs themselves may be on the way soon. All of this is being reflected at the bargaining table, where Russia has over openly discussed the possibility of the neutralization of Ukraine. By neutralization, I mean neutrality, not wiping the country out. Neutrality status was the solution to the great power conflict over Austria after World War II. In any case, Russia would not be floating the idea of neutrality if it were winning. You can't ask your soldiers to charge enemy tanks saying that we're struggling to win neutrality. The cold reality behind all of this is that Russia is running out of money. It barely made the $116 million debt repayment that was due yesterday. After wanting to pay it in rubles, it finally was forced to pay it in gold or dollars. And the U.S. sanctions are increasingly effective, particularly when they sanction individual oligarchs who are basically holding Putin up. They're a group of about 200 oligarchs where Putin parks his money and uh, gives it to them and says, I'll give it, take it back when I need it. And increasingly, those oligarchs are being subject to individual sanctions that really crippled their ability to share with Putin his own money. It's significant that Russia has asked China for aid, not on advanced weapons system. Russia has plenty of those, but for ammunition and MREs, meals ready to eat. Whatever the status of the current military situation in Ukraine, I subscribe to the view that Ukraine is an important pro-Western country that's rich in agriculture and agricultural and energy resources. It's long been called the breadbasket of Europe due to its abundant grain harvests, and there are large coal deposits in the eastern part of the country, which I read have been supplying some 70% of communist China's coal imports as well as recent discoveries of large deposits of oil and natural gas under the Black Sea, though these have not been developed. In a lengthy speech given by Putin before invading Ukraine, Putin reportedly lamented the terrible human costs of communism, but also declared that the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest political upheaval of the 20th century. Putin seemed to be longing for a return for Russia of the power and world influence of the former Soviet Union. And countries neighboring Ukraine have expressed fears that they will be next if Russia is able to subjugate Ukraine. 
I have to agree that attempting to appease Russia by backing down from its aggression in Ukraine will only invite more such aggression and ultimately lead to the destruction of those countries submitting to it. These are long-standing lessons of history. So I've been heartened to see the West's strong response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, despite the fact that our own country's leaders have been involved in corruption in that country. Information contained on Joe Biden's son Hunter's abandoned laptop computer, which for years was dismissed as Russian disinformation by Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton's lackeys in the communist and oligarch-controlled mainstream media, was just a few days ago grudgingly acknowledged as authentic by none other than the New York Times. A writer on the anti-communist website TrevorLoudon.com has speculated that this may be a sign the establishment is starting to turn against Biden, given the many failures of his and disaster of his presidency. But we'll have to see. The thousands of emails and other information on the laptop indicate that Joe Biden was involved in serious criminal activities in Ukraine, where he acted as President Barack Obama's point man. And he also likely, according to the informational laptop, was involved in the same type of activities in other countries as well. The American, or should I say anti-American oligarch, George Soros, who's been referred to as the Marxist billionaire because of his longstanding powerful financial support and endorsement of communist groups and causes across the U.S., as well as being, until just recently at least, a longtime cheerleader of communist China, has also meddled in the affairs of Ukraine, that nation being just one of many where Soros has sought to promote his radical social and political agendas. It's worth noting that Soros and his network of organizations have been kicked out of numerous Eastern European countries, not to mention others around the world, including Russia, Poland, and even Hungary, the country where Soros was born with the name of Georgi Swartz. Author Matt Palumbo relates that Soros is referred to by some in Eastern Europe as the almighty leader of the globalists. Soros was, I believe, the single most important contributor and supporter of Biden's presidential bid. And it can be argued that Biden is essentially a Soros puppet. If you follow the alternative media, the alternative media's discussions, that is, of many, the many instances of corruption indicated by emails on Hunter Biden's laptop and Joe Biden's reported role in them, you may be familiar with an Internet video featuring Joe Biden at a gathering of globalist leaders attending a function of the Council on Foreign Relations. Talk about globalist organizations. In that video, Joe Biden brags that he, as then U.S. Vice President, flew into Ukraine and demanded that a Ukrainian prosecutor investing a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch's energy firm, Burisma Holdings, be fired, or Biden would withhold $1 billion in U.S. loan guarantees. Well, son of a bitch, Biden says, he got fired, and they all laugh at the meeting there. Joe Biden states that to the chuckling group that as, and as, well, he said that sometimes. That's what he said to the chuckling group. As we later learned, Biden's son Hunter was a highly paid member of the board of directors of Burisma at the time. And I believe a number of people have pointed out that this well could be a crime when you do something, when you withhold U.S. aid to benefit your, a member of your family. One of the people who first publicly discussed the revelations contained on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop was former New York City mayor and federal prosecutor, 
Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani, who was also one of President Trump's lawyers, battled to get the information contained in a laptop investigated by the government, only to have the government authorities, who also had a copy of the laptop's contents, do nothing about it. Well, the mainstream media dismissed it as propaganda and ignored it, helping Joe Biden to win the 2020 election. Giuliani has devoted numerous episodes of his podcast series, Common Sense, to the contents of Hunter Biden's computer, all the while being denounced as yet another pro-Trump kook by the leftist oligarch globalist sycophants in our mainstream media. You can watch these episodes on Giuliani's website, RudyGiulianics.com. That's R-U-D-Y-G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I-C-S.com. As it turns out, Rudy Giuliani has now been vindicated as entirely correct in what he said about the laptop, including that Hunter Biden was paid millions as a Burisma board member, and that Joe Biden and his family have been paid 30 to 40 million by entities, at least, he said, by entities associated with communist China state intelligence services. You would think that would compromise Joe Biden pretty severely, wouldn't you? Here are excerpts from Giuliani's Common Sense podcast recorded March 17th, titled Vindicated Again during which Giuliani discusses the New York Times' acknowledgement of the laptop and its contents as authentic. Giuliani and others who've reported on it, including journalist John Solomon of Just the News and the New York Post's Miranda Devine, were all correct in what they reported, Giuliani says. Devine has just published a new book on the matter. Its title is The Laptop from Hell. In his comments, you'll hear Giuliani say that The Bidens should be investigated and probably prosecuted for money laundering, bribery, and racketeering. And also that the recent information coming from investigations into vote and election fraud in Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia clearly show that Joe Biden was illegitimately elected president. Please play soundbite two. The Times has now authenticated the uh, hard drive, and we've shown you the text involving uh, the uh, distribution of the proceeds. As described by Hunter Biden, over a 30-year period of paying for the expenses of the family and then also giving 50% of the salary, which was largely the payments he was getting for his father's office. Uh, and as you would imagine, 50% went to the boss, the top guy. And obviously, it's more than 50% because he had a lot of his expenses paid, too. So this is a uh, textbook racketeering case. Like uh, the Parking Violations Bureau case I prosecuted. Uh, I don't know. Could you compare it to the mafia cases where they were in the business? How about the Teamsters case that I did? Uh, a bribery scheme over a long period of time, 30 years, as defined by Hunter Biden, uh, involving multiple millions of dollars and a number of different countries, uh, some of which are pretty darn uh uh, antagonistic to the United States, particularly Russia and China, uh, is a pretty serious matter, right? About, about as serious as, as we've ever accounted, right? The covering up of it is even more, uh, serious. It indicates that the, um, institutions that we have in place to, to, uh, protect us against this kind of massive, uh, corruption at the highest levels of government are failing. They don't exist anymore. If you're part of the, uh, elite, well, that's what a communist country is like, right? A communist country is a country uh, largely in which uh, it's a real absolute uh, uh, 
the laughable contradiction. Uh, the, the heads of the party are all millionaires and billionaires. And in some cases, some of the richest people in the world, like, uh, Putin or Mr. Xi or I mean, they're all very wealthy people. They're the entitled. Well, we're getting there in the United States, aren't we? The upper echelon, very highest echelon of the Democratic Party is, uh, entitled. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton got away with murder. Well, I don't mean murder, but I mean they got away with um, taking multiple millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the Clinton Foundation was the top of the of the of the pinnacle, a complete cash cow. Uh, but you know, selling the Lincoln bedroom and uh, all the stuff they did in Arkansas, I, I think that's where it got off the the track. I mean, the level of corruption in our government. I think that's where it went from uh, some corruption and but safeguards against it to uh, pay for play schemes that uh, these people just couldn't avoid because the amounts of money was so high. And that, I mean, that's what the Biden set up, the pay for play scheme in which they the commodity they were selling is Joe Biden's office. And as the office got bigger and the influence got better, the price went up. And when we became point man, Obama invested him with the ability to steal enormous amounts of money. And he used it aggressively. Uh, he used it in Iraq. He used it in uh, Ukraine. He used it in China. He used it in Russia. Those are the big dollars. Again, if you go back to my podcast, and I'm talking about now pre-hard drive. It's all laid out. It's all there. The money laundering is a different story. To me, uh, that's a major crime, particularly on this level. But then there's also what they're avoiding, which is the bribery. This is going to be proven at some point. It's about there if you pay attention. I mean, the proof is there. You can find it on my podcast. You can find it on uh, John Solomon's writings. You can find it in Miranda Devine's book. And there'll be other books written, and historians will come to the conclusion that Joe Biden was one of the most crooked presidents in the history of America, and he was elected under false pretenses. You don't have to get much worse than this, you know, depriving the American people of information from which they could conclude that major crimes were going on. At least they were saying they were. So maybe there's another explanation, but you've got to be challenged for that other explanation. What's, what's, what, what's the press worth? What's truth worth? What's justice worth? That's not the case. Well, this is the beginning of unraveling it. Once again, We've been proven to be absolutely 100% correct. And everything that we said about the hard drive, everything we said about Hunter Biden, everything we said about Ukraine. And we are slowly, a little slower because it's uh, dribbling out, but we now have a report from Wisconsin, a major one done by a judge and a a recent one in Atlanta in which many of the allegations of fraud during the election are now being proven, established. And the realization is that they didn't come from me they came from a thousand plus American people in different parts of the country who witnessed it and uh, uh, expert analysis of uh, documents, videotapes. But we'll leave that for another day. Giuliani's last comments there referred to Wisconsin's special counsel and former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman's just released report in which he found widespread fraud in the state's running of the 2020 election and calls for decertification of Wisconsin's electoral votes, which were cast for Joe Biden. The response of Wisconsin rhino Republicans, you know, Republican in name only, 
and communist leading Democrats has been to declare that it's not possible to decertify electoral votes. But Gableman makes a strong argument that it definitely is possible and should be done. Meanwhile, the Republican-controlled state legislature has been busy passing a slew of election integrity measures, almost all of which have been promptly vetoed by Wisconsin's radical leftist governor. In Georgia, grassroots election integrity activist Garland Favorito and his supporters have just announced that a thorough study of the state's 2020 election reveals widespread bizarre and unexplainable irregularities, anomalies, and illegality there. A similar situation has developed in Arizona following that state's first-in-the-nation forensic audit of the 2020 election results. The state's attorney general is investigating allegations of election and vote fraud there. Amid growing calls to decertify Arizona's 11 electoral college votes cast for Biden, State Senate President Karen Fan, a Republican, claims that while nobody misses President Trump more than she does, all the lawyers she's dealt with on the matter tell her decertification is impossible. Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss has also declared the state cannot decertify, despite acknowledging the widespread fraud there in the 2020 election. Election integrity warrior Mike Lindell, whose website frankspeech.com contains a mountain of information on 2020 election and vote fraud and alleges that fan Voss, well, his website, not so much, I'm saying Mike Lindell himself, alleges that fan Voss and other Republicans opposing decertification have become part of the opposition to decertifying the 2020 election due to either being bullied, extorted, or bribed to join the opposition. No doubt a huge amount of communist-loving and communist-enriched oligarch money was spread around to get Biden, China's preferred candidate, elected. Probably more of it is being used to cover up the mess and protect those who orchestrated the fraud. Another election integrity warrior is former Overstock.com CEO Patrick Byrne. In a March 11 broadcast on his The America Project channel on Rumble.com, Byrne states there is now enough evidence to decertify Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona, and therefore the 2020 election, because it drops – if those states were decertified, it would drop Joe Biden below the 270 electoral college votes needed to be elected president. Here is audio from that broadcast. The quality of the audio is not the best, and Byrne tends to trail off sound-wise at times with his comments. But if you listen carefully, you get the gist of why he's – calling for decertification now. Please have by three, please. Patrick Byrne here. I just want to point something out at this, at this stage. We now have an official report. This is no longer conspiracy theory time. This is a retired justice of the Supreme Court of Wisconsin acting as the special counsel, and the office of the special counsel has investigated and written a, an official report that says the Wisconsin election was total junk, should never have been certified and should absolutely be decertified. We now have Garland Favorito's report out of, on Fulton County, Georgia, which shows hundreds of thousands of votes out of whack, no providence, no, no ballot, no image, no nothing but a, a number. It's just ridiculous. And then we have out in Arizona, the, the work that's been done there shows 740,000 ballots with no no with improper chain of title hundreds of thousands that are clearly illegal that appear out of nowhere photocopies uh things that just appear on a machine with no you know no provenance to them things like that so that's that's 
Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. Why is that important? Because Wisconsin has 10 electoral votes, and uh, Georgia has 16 electoral votes, and Arizona has 11 electoral votes. If you add 10 and 16 and 11, you get 37. So thir- we now now have totally solid reason to say those those were not deservedly. There's no reason to think. After you read the Gableman report, tell me you have any reason to believe that Joe Biden deserves those 10 electoral votes. Absolutely no reason. You do those 37 votes. Well, Joe Biden won with 306 votes. 306 votes. You take 37 off them. He's down to 269. That's the, how many votes there are. There are 538 electoral votes. He no longer has a majority of the electoral votes. Now, whether you say that Trump gets those and brings him up to 269, I don't quite know. But I know that Joe Biden no longer has a majority at 269. He no longer has a majority of the electoral votes of the House. He has exactly half. Uh, and if you attribute them to Trump, he would have the other half. Um, so we now know, I mean, the, the issue has been broken down to just look at the Gableman report, look at the Favorito report, look, dig into what's what's got, been revealed by Shiva and Jovan and Ben Cotton and Doug Logan about Arizona. And if you doubt those elections, you now know that there's reason to doubt. To, to, to the degree you doubt those elections, you should now collectively say <laughs> Joe Biden, President, the dear President Biden, did not win a majority of the Electoral College. He's at 269. And that's leaving aside three other states we aren't even talking about. So that's kind of heavy. Okay, uh, Patrick, so put that one in your pipe and smoke it, eh? Okay. Hey, I hope people understand that we reach for peaceful ways out of this. This reminds me so much of uh, people think things are hopeless and it's not at all hopeless. There's totally total ways we can fix this. Even America's dire financial straits can be fixed and, the, and, and so forth. But boy, I think that people have, have a, I think some of this is incompetence and so some of it's, the, maybe the, it isn't a question of failed policy. Maybe the failure is the policy. Okay, signing off. Thank you. Not a charming thought. Signing off. Thank you. Now here are some excerpts from Black Conservative Patriots, Locals.com channel, March 16th, discussing Judge Gableman's Wisconsin election fraud report. In this episode, BCP, as he refers to himself, plays segments of broadcaster Wayne Allen Root's program, in which Root is also commenting on the rigged election of 2020. Please have by four, please. One rigged election has changed everything. American exceptionalism, capitalism, our economy, your job, your future earning power, your children's future, your freedoms, peace on earth. It's all at risk. Now it could all go to hell. All because we allow Democrats to rig a presidential election. We're going to get into that in more detail on the first part of this episode. Let me read you the statement from the greatest president of our lifetime, of my lifetime, at least the last four decades. This is from Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America, March 15th, 2022. A wonderful statement made by Reg Cornelia, a reader of Michael Goodwin in the great New York Post, quote, you are dead wrong. And the theft of the 2020 election is the greatest crime in American political history. We would be fools to try to get it behind us. I worked for the Suffolk County Board of Elections for 15 years, and I can name 10 ways Democrats and their accomplices 
perpetrated the theft, not counting whatever criminal mischief was involved with the voting machines. If we do nothing to show the election was stolen and do not take serious measures to see it can't happen again, we ensure that it will. The election should be challenged even now. Thank you, Reg. Folks, we know that there's fraud and we know in one state, Wisconsin, there's been calls by a former justice of that state's Supreme Court, a legal expert, has called for the decertification of it. Do we continue fighting for the 2020 elections or do we just put it aside and concentrate on the next few? Oh, I know how I feel. I know how many of you feel about it, but let's get into what's happening in Wisconsin. Thanks for being here at BCP Unfiltered. Wayne Allen Root broke it down quite well. Let me show you a a clip from a segment he put out today. I totally, totally agree with his assessment of what's going on. Once again, elections have consequences. Stolen elections, as we can see, have dire consequences. The point is, a rigged election has changed everything. Think of America with Trump as president. Things were great. We had perhaps the greatest and most prosperous economy ever. The highest increase in middle-class incomes ever. The lowest unemployment ever, including the lowest black and Latino unemployment ever. Inflation and interest rates at historic lows. A perfect supply chain with a plethora of everything you wanted and peace all over the world. But some Americans didn't like Trump's tweets. Poor babies. What would you give to have Trump back right about now? Now, of course, it wasn't us who put Biden in there. And he did not get 81 million votes, maybe 8.1 million votes, maybe 20 million votes. He did not get the most historic votes in history. They kept stuffing the ballots and extending the counting until they got what they wanted. The result they got it wanted was was correct. Wayne Allen Root totally hit the nail on the head on that one. But folks, we allowed this to happen. This was a great segment. Let me play you more of it. One rigged election has changed everything. American exceptionalism, capitalism, our economy, your job, your future earning power, your children's future, your freedoms, peace on earth. It's all at risk. Now it could all go to hell. All because we allowed Democrats to rig a presidential election with millions of fake mail-in ballots tied to no voter ID, little or no signature matching, plus an insane idea called ballot harvesting that used to be illegal in all 50 states. Ballot drops in the middle of the night of 100,000 to basically zero for Biden. Ballots counted for days after the election until the desired result was achieved by Democrats. And every Republican witness kicked out of the counting room while the votes were being counted in key battleground states. No evidence of a rigged election there, right? Folks, this show, BCP Unfiltered, has now been on for over a year. And we started it because on YouTube, we're no longer able to talk about the rigged election of 2020, or you'd get kicked off. And now it's just a topic that you're not allowed to talk about because, of course, Fox News and MSNBC and the AP uh, Associated Press called the election for Biden, and now that is gospel. Well, folks, there's plenty of evidence, which we have been detailing over the last year when it comes out of the rigged election of 2020. And finally, we're seeing that something is being done in some states. Now, we've got... uh one step forward and two steps back again, yet again in Wisconsin. To bring you up to speed, in Wisconsin, Speaker Voss, a Republican, 
hired former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael J. Gableman to look at the fraud of 2020. He presented to the legislature proof of it, everything from folks at nursing homes voting. Now, there was a special elections, bipartisan special elections teams that were authorized by the Wisconsin Elections uh, Committee to go to these nursing homes and help people vote. Well, under the guise of COVID, they got rid of all of that and the, the, the Democrat operatives were stealing votes using nursing home folks with 100% turnout, 97% of course for Biden. Absolute fraud. That's only one thing that Michael J. Gableman showed. He also showed how Zuckerberg money and Obama operatives locked in five key places in Wisconsin to drive out votes for Democrat votes for Biden using things like drop boxes, uh, absentee voting, uh, early voting, and what have you. They literally used these Obama operatives, the playbook of the book, How to Beat Trump uh, by Michael Plouffe, a, a, an op- a Democrat operative, an Obama guy, hired Obama people to oversee and literally bribe U.S. government officials to act as their employees and operatives in stealing the election. It is a foregone conclusion. And what did Michael J. Gableman tell the legislature? That they should decertify the elections. Now, they're all saying you can't do that, even though a former justice of the state of Wisconsin Supreme Court, one of the highest legal scholars in that state says that they should do it. They're pushing back that they can't. Well, today there was a closed door session and my uh, and uh, Speaker Voss came out of that session and he admitted that, yes, there was widespread voter fraud, but he took the total rhino sellout scaredy cat compromised position that has left us in the same wake of disaster of this rigged election with Joe Biden, the beneficiary of this rigging, and we, the American people, as the victims and sufferers of it. And what is that position? Nothing we could do about it. Let's just wait till the next election. Waiting till the next election will ensure the stranglehold on our country of the communists and China-worshipping, bribed oligarchs, politicians, and globalists. Since our elections will remain rigged. All right. So much for the latest info on the stolen 2020 election, not to mention the rigging of elections before and after. Turning now to more on the horrific corruption and evil of communist China, of which a huge amount of evidence points to that country's significant involvement in fraud in U.S. elections, including 2020 particularly. Here's audio from NTD Television's China in Focus program, March 10. It's titled, China's Ambition, Cripple America from Within. Play sound five, please. America crippled from within. The Chinese communist regime has infiltrated every level of the United States, from how we get our food to our education and even our leaders. In this special report, we look at how the communist regime has managed to do that, what's at stake, and what can be done. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. It's been said that economic power is political power. But just how does that translate to China's manufacturing dominance and America's reliance on it? 
It turns out the Chinese regime's influence reaches all the way from the top levels of government down to the agriculture supplies for a state. Let's begin in Iowa. They produce 80% of the fertilizer. So here's the thing. The price of fertilizer in Iowa just went up 200% in the last year. So if they have cornered fertilizer, they kind of dominate that sphere of agriculture. That gives them a lot of power to define the market. That's Iowa State Senator Jim Carlin. But on top of the money involved, there's another risk when China has that much stake. It means agriculture in our country is shut down without them. You can't, that's a national security issue. You cannot allow yourself to become that vulnerable. Speaking of vulnerabilities, it's not just fertilizer. China also produces 80% of another critical resource, not just for one state, but globally. They produce 80% of the world's rare earth minerals, which, you know, now we're talking about electric cars. You can't make electric cars without those. China produces 80% of them. And the issue there, obviously, is if we were to go to electric cars, which the Biden administration has already said half of all vehicles will be electric and, you know, by 2030, that would devastate, probably even wipe out Iowa's ethanol industry. And again, if they produce 80 percent of the rare earth minerals, we're kind of at their mercy. We cannot allow ourselves to be that vulnerable to China. Making up a set of 17 metallic elements, rare earth is used in everything from batteries to fighter jets, computer hard drives, and as Carlin pointed out, hybrid cars. So what does that global dependence on China mean? Well, China realizes, and they're right about this, that whatever defines you economically is ultimately going to define you politically. The U.S. is already working to lessen that economic dependence. That we can't build... Uh, a future that's made in America if we ourselves are dependent on China for the materials that power the products of today and tomorrow. So what's being done? The U.S. Department of Defense recently awarded mining company MP Materials a $35 million contract. That's to build a new processing facility. The funding came on top of the $10 million the Pentagon already gave the company. MP controls the U.S.'s only rare earths mine, but the company still depends on China for processing. The money is going toward a new facility that will be used to process heavy rare earth elements, the first in the country. It's part of Washington's goal to secure supply chains for essential materials, especially those used to make defense gear. But why has the U.S. leaned so heavily on China for processing rare earths? Because the procedure creates a lot of pollution. To address environmental concerns, the White House said it would form a committee to recommend changes to the 1872 mining law. The rule has governed hard rock mining across much of the United States since the 19th century. But it's not just fertilizer and rare earth. China's influence extends to the food and meat industry, too. CCP also owns Smithfield Foods, which is the single largest hog processing or pork processing company in the world. And that's on U.S. soil. And our politicians let that happen. And this country needs to have more self-awareness about the economic domination that China intends over our country because it is a matter of preserving our freedom. 
Chinese company WH Group bought Smithfield in 2013 for a whopping $4.72 billion in cash. Smithfield is the largest U.S. pork company. WH Group also owns Asia's biggest meat processing company. Despite its Chinese ownership, Smithfield's website says it does not and will not import any products from China to the U.S. Adding all products are made in America. While concerns are rising over Chinese influence in America, those worries haven't been enough to stem the tide. Ross Kennedy, founder of Fortis Analysis, recently researched the China-based Fufang Group. The company makes bio-fermented products derived from corn. They are used in goods ranging from animal feed to pharmaceuticals. Fufang is now primed to open a factory in North Dakota. So, what's the problem? It's slated for construction just 13 miles from the state's Grand Forks Air Force Base, a location Kennedy says may have been specially selected by the Chinese regime for use as a monitoring and surveillance operation. He says there are enormous amounts of data going to and from this location, and when there's direct line of sight to the receiving or transmitting facility, the options get an awful lot better for anyone to begin to create traps for that data. The analogy I would use is is if you're trying to capture data、uh, that the United States Air Force is handling,、uh, being somewhat close to、uh, a major base like that is a bit like putting a cup under a waterfall.、Uh, you're going to A lot of these newer technologies that have、uh, begun to emerge over the last few years、uh, make it a lot easier to at least capture that data and analyze it, even if it's encrypted. Sometimes just being able to know what direction it's coming from and where it's going to、uh, is enough to cause major harm. On top of data security, Kennedy also brings up another possibility. Nefarious actors being able to monitor the physical movement of people, equipment, and aircraft to and from the base. Anything about Grand Forks Air Force Base that makes it so attractive, if you wanted to potentially cause some disruption to the United States military, is the fact that it is a major、uh, what's called an ISR or intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance base.、Uh, it has our largest wing、uh, of Global Hawk recon drones. Uh, and is a major installation for the gathering,、uh, analyzing, and transmission of critical intelligence. Despite those issues, the project has been called a historic investment and game changer for farmers. How is the Chinese regime still able to build footholds in America? So there was a book recently put out by Peter Schweitzer. The title of that book is Red Handed. The book is about how the CCP has bribed U.S. politicians. To get what they want, because if you can dominate economically with the very entities that donate to campaigns of politicians, eventually the industries define the the politics instead of the people. Red-handed sheds light on how Chinese money has infiltrated every level of America, and through that infiltration, gained influence. Names in the hot seat include the current president of the United States, senators like Mitch McConnell and Dianne Feinstein, bigwigs on Wall Street, businessmen like Elon Musk and Bill Gates, and even prestigious universities like Yale. Schweitzer notes one Democratic senator who famously said his vote isn't for sale in the Senate, but quote is available for rent. China knows that it can influence、uh, governors. 
state legislatures, local politicians, it's a lot easier to give them 30 pieces of silver and a box of promises uh, than it is to try to go through the proper regulatory review at the federal level. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tactic that they, they, they exploit. Um, it's something that is a major weakness of the United States is the ability uh, for the states to bring these kinds of projects in without any sort of scrutiny or review. Beijing's influence quietly wove its way into many of the U.S.'s most critical inroads. And now, with that influence seemingly going nowhere fast, what can be done? This Grand Forks project, there's an awful lot at stake, not just for the people of Grand Forks, which is the first and primary concern, but also for the United States military and, and the United States of America in general. My hope is is that this issue can become something of a rallying cry to help us figure out what to do about all of the other circumstances in Grand Forks and everywhere else around the United States and around the world. Carlin says Americans have a duty to inform the next generation about Beijing's true threat. They're not this big-hearted loving, compassionate group of people they portend to be. They're not helping you. They're building you a cage. If somebody can take away your right to defend yourself, your right to free speech, your right to private property, the right to define your kids consistent with your moral values, somebody can tell you where and how you can travel. They're not your friend. They're your slave master. And the next generation needs to see that the whole way you define yourself as a person is being incrementally taken from you. Lastly, here's audio from the YouTube channel Spotlight on China, March 11. This episode is titled, China's Green Gold Scheme to Control the World's Elites. It has to do with the totalitarian state's longstanding and widespread organ harvesting from prisoners and dissidents. Please play soundbite six. Yu Zongji, the former dean of the School of Political and Warfare at the National Defense University in Taiwan, pointed out in an interview with Daji Yuan Media that the Chinese regime has a green gold scheme, which is quietly infiltrating and controlling the world's political and business elites. He explained that the green gold scheme refers to the many illegal organs from China that the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, has made available for transplantation to politicians and celebrities from various countries with health problems. As a result, many people risk going to China for organ transplants because they are either unable to or have to wait a long time to obtain organs locally. Since 2000, China's organ transplant industry has thrived. Unlike other countries which require transparent registration and long-term waiting to exchange organs, it usually only takes one or two weeks to exchange organs in mainland China. At the same time, Fresh and high-quality organs are guaranteed. An article published on phonicstv.com in 2006 showed that more than 3,000 Koreans have gone to China for organ transplants in the past three years, while the number of people from other countries and regions receiving transplanted organs in China is also more than 1,000 every year. Yu Zongji said that this green-gold scheme generally existed in two forms. One was for people who were in urgent need of organ transplants. They used money and connections to find intermediaries to help connect them with Chinese hospitals for organ exchange. However, the communist regime then uses their information as a threat against them if need be, especially high-profile people, making them obediently accept the regime's orders like a puppet. Secondly, the totalitarian regime 
would take the initiative to contact the parties through channels by obtaining the physical conditions of specific people, including high-ranking politicians, corporate consortia, and other people in various countries. Finally, it claims that it can supply patients with required organs, and there would be no legal responsibility and no disclosure of information. Yu Zongji said that the lethality and destructive power of the CCP's green-gold scheme far exceeds the blue-gold-yellow plan, or BGY. The BGY plan is a particular term describing the CCP's three methods to infiltrate countries by controlling online speech, bribing with money, and sexual seduction. He warned that people of all countries should be vigilant to avoid falling into the CCP's criminal trap. The Wall Street Journal reported in February 2019 that matching organs were offered to patients in China and foreigners just within days. By studying statistics from Chinese hospitals, former Canadian politician and prosecutor David Kilgore, lawyer David Matas, American journalist Ethan Gutman, and a team of academics corroborated the crime. The news outlet also disclosed that in 2005, China's former vice minister of health and chairman of the country's organ transplant committee, Dr. Huang Jiefu, ordered two spare livers as backups for a medical procedure. The following morning, they were delivered. China's organ transplant industry is thriving. Fresh and high-quality organs are guaranteed, and quickly. Then the recipients of this organ transplanting are blackmailed. Well, at least they fare better than the people whose organs were harvested. This is the wonderful, marvelous, world government leader, communist China. The regime that slaughtered tens of millions of its own people by starvation, forced labor, execution, and disease. A totalitarian country whose corrupt elites live like royalty, having fabulously enriched themselves, along with their oligarch cronies from the U.S. and other countries. It's been estimated that up to $4 trillion of wealth has been moved overseas by CCP elites from their looting of the land and the Chinese people. China is the most polluted country in the world, with the Communist Chinese Party's goal of growth at any cost having created financial and ecological disasters. The country's massive real estate bubble was created with wild speculation fueled by staggering debt. State-owned businesses, state-owned business enterprises are known for shoddy construction standards and secretive business accounting practices that can falsely overstate their worth. There currently is a – you may have heard about just the last few days the big drop in Chinese communist uh, stocks, state-owned companies from China, their stock value on the Shanghai and other related stock exchanges. Now they've gone back up, uh, it was believed, through uh, the communist CCP's uh, intervention with a lot of money. Uh, and the reason being they, they dropped originally was because the U.S. is finally getting around to threatening to delist more than 100 of these Chinese firms who have not been required to open their books to regulators, as are other companies that trade on the U.S. stock exchanges. People in China are no nominally allowed to buy homes, but they can only rent the land on which those homes are built. And if the government wants the land, it just comes and takes it. The um, uh, rather land sales being a <clears throat> main means of local governments in China uh, gaining revenue. And these homes are often taken with little or no compensation for the inhabitants. If you own, quote unquote, a home, 
lose your job and are unable to pay your mortgage, you are still obligated to pay off the mortgage, whether you have a home or not, with severe consequences if you are unable to pay. In China, the air pollution in and around cities and industrial cities is, areas is terrible and sickening. The country is running out of drinking water after heavy industrial pollution for many years. Thousands of rivers have disappeared after the CCP has built thousands of dams and reservoirs and diverted entire river systems from south to north at great expense. The common people have little or no individual rights and freedoms, while government officials and police are all-powerful. Any real dissent is absolutely not tolerated and harshly punished. Remember what the CCP's hero Lenin said, quote, Freedom is nothing but a bourgeoisie or anarchistic phrase, unquote. And, quote, why should freedom of speech and freedom of the press be allowed? Why should a government which is doing what it believes to be right allow itself to be criticized, end quote? These are from the Great Quotations book and its chapter on V.I. Lenin, pages 407 and 408. Again, China is the country held up by our own corrupt, venal bought off businessmen, business people, political and government elites who are eager to sell out our country and turn it over to the totalitarian monstrosity that is communist China. These are the same people nonetheless claiming that the CCP is the model for future world governance and socialism, for you and me that is, and is the wave of the future under their bizarre notion of some kind of oligarch communist plutocracy, you know, where the rich rule everything. Our American elites, it seems, don't really like our representative Republican form of democracy with its individual rights and freedoms, including the ability to criticize them. Donald Trump was right when he said we made communist China rich, the CCP elites, I mean, with our money. And the CCP has taken much of that money and used it to bribe, extort, and infiltrate almost every aspect of American society, government, politics, and culture to further its well-established and long-standing goal of taking over the West and dominating the world. Let's pray there's still enough time and ability to wake people up and turn this disastrous situation around. That's it for another episode of our show. As always, we hope you found our presentation of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted on the, the Jim Benson, the Jim Benson show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again two weeks from today in this same time slot. Have a good rest of your day and evening.